1: Welcome to Bird's Eye View. When it comes to the Orioles, this weekly podcast is your official source for a lack of insight and for baseless opinion. Today is March 4th, 2017, and this is episode 191. My name is Jake English. And I'm Scott Magnus. On today's show,
0: we'll be talking to the reigning MVP of the Birdland Bash. And we're going to shuffle the deck chairs, turn the lights down low, and talk a little roster patient. And we'll do all that right after we lubricate the show. That's right. It's time for the drink of the week. Scotty, what do you have? Jake, I'm doing a flying fish farmhouse summer ale, trying to bring a little warmth to these cold, cold nights in March. Nice. It's the second farmhouse to uh to make an appearance on the show in a row. Second farmhouse. Unfortunately, this one is from a New Jersey
1: brewery. So Well, I tell you what. You, you. I can see the look on your face. You're feeling a little conflicted about going so far from home. Let yeah. me bring things a little closer in. All okay. right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna come in a little bit more local for you. I am drinking a common lager. Okay, I'm drinking a Chesapeake Common Lager from the Key Brewing Company. I'm not familiar with that that brewery. Proudly brewed in. Uh, if I told you that this was brewed somewhere in Maryland. Where is a place
0: that you would think would just make great, fantastic beer? Um, Sparrows Point, maybe. Like if it's like Key, like the Key Bridge, or something like that. Yeah. No. Keep keep searching. Um, Glen Burnie. No. Um, Scotty, I'm drinking a beer which is the Pride of Dundalk. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Can I spell that really quickly? Yeah.
1: Yeah, it smells like feces. Yep, what I mean, yep, right down there by the poop plant. Yep, so, right by the poop plant. Um, I have decided to uh, plague myself this evening, but we're curious about what you're drinking, Birdland. So be sure to tell us what you're drinking. Join us
0: on Untapped. I'm at Jake E four zero two five. I'm at M A G N eight six zero six. And um, after consuming some poop water, um, we should go ahead and definitely dive into the medical wing. I don't think I've ever seen you giggle so much when I said poop water. <laughs> it, hey, I've been told it's okay if I giggle. Gotcha. <laughs> All right, so let's go quickly through the medical wing. Chris Tillman still doing that shoulder issue. Um, but um, the Orioles seem to be pretty positive in that regard. They think he's going to come back, and um, seems like he's on track for everything. Zach Burton also is dealing with an oblique. Um, but again, if one thinks that he's going to come back, perfectly fine. Um, they're not concerned about it. Um, everyone seems to be on the on the proper timetable. JJ Hardy is the only one that I still raise questions of.
1: You're you're still breathing through a paper bag on this one.
0: I wouldn't say I'm breathing through a paper bag. I just feel like the truth is being hidden to a certain regard. So, and the truth is out there, Scott. Yes, it is. Um. So, still dealing with that backer injury. The Orioles said that he's going to get back onto the field again mid Marchish. I don't know. Like. Uh, I don't know if anything's going to happen. You're still looking at that poopy water beer. I mean, are you yeah. okay over there? I just realized it's got a whole thing <laughs> on the side of it. The Key, Key Brewing Company
1: was founded by two friends who simply love good beer, making it, drinking it, and sharing it, and there's more. But I, I found, I was incred- I, gu- I was incredulous
0: I, reading that. Can I tell you something? I guarantee that that is just ripped off our website. And basically, two guys who like to talk baseball <laughs> decided to do it themselves Sorry. and make their own baseball podcast. Sorry, I'm gonna I'm <laughs> gonna put this down. I'm gonna look you in the eyes when you're talking. Pray continue. Um. All right. Two new injuries this week that we need to talk about. Wade Miley, bruise uh, on a comebacker, and. And it's uh, not his ego like usual. Yeah, and Johnny Diotella uh, with some hand soreness. Um, do we consider any of these to be of any note or concern at this time?
1: Well, I mean, Wade Miley, only because of the lack of depth in yes. the rotation. We need him to at least be league average. Gia Vitella is not a big deal. But the reason I thought it was interesting is that he mentioned that haymate bone or hamate, however you say it. The Marcus <laughs> bone. The Marquecas, exactly. As soon as I read it, I was like, <gasps> oh, it's too sad. Yeah. It's still too soon. Uh, but if he if he's... Uh, and the CC, other th- I'm
0: coming for you, by the way.
1: <laughs> the other thing about that injury that made me think... Is that if he had general hand soreness? I mean that that was a problem that that uh, Davis had sure. last year. So one, it could linger on, but two, I think that's probably the best chance he has of making this club. So right,
0: well, yeah, I, I I would agree with you about that. The other thing too is I think this uh, it, it needs to be an emphasis. The handmate is normally the. A uh, bone within the hand that has had a potential to sap um, power away from hitters. So Gio Vitelli should go from hitting like four home runs this year all the way down to like one or two home runs. So a, a massive decrease in production for what we're seeing from him. If this sort of spiral out of
1: con- and I can thank you, your wit is too dry. It's I need a humidifier. No here. problem. Uh,
0: if if he were to something's ex- got to do with that poop water, but <laughs>
1: <laughs> if he were to go in the DL, you know that's probably the best the best thing.
0: For I him. but I totally agree with your point earlier, which is the Wade Miley thing is definitely more of a concern when. He came out of the, out of the game and Bansalls walked him back into the clubhouse. I'm like, gosh, I hope he's okay. And I understand right now Miley has certainly not been pitching great, um, but he's certainly a better option than a Tyler Wilson or a Mike Wright um, to fill a spot start position sure. at this time.
1: And he said, you know, if it was the season, I would have argued hard to sure. stay in the game. You know, we're just doing what's right here right. because there, there's no training. Yeah, there's no training. He need. probably just wanted to get out to the golf course or something. Well, what do you say, Scotty? Can just we, on the weekends, right? Uh, right. Just on the weekends. Can we? Uh, can we go ahead and take? On, you know, he's got uh, a membership to mar lago Easy now. Easy. <laughs> Let's take on uh, Birdland on Twitter uh, on 140 characters or less this week on the Twitters. Uh, and the first one, the first one is a tearful goodbye, yes! Scott. A former yes! Oriole Rule Fiverr has has uh, gotten employment elsewhere. Uh, the Arizona Good. Diamondbacks made an announcement about signing. TJ McFarlane, and uh it was retweeted by Dan Connolly, who tweets at Dan Connolly2016, which is so last year, Dan. Uh McFarlane, comma, twenty seven, comma, was released by the O's last week, was a favorite of Show Walters and the Relievers, but he had a rough injury plagued 2016.
0: Mm. Yeah. Well. Mm. Well, I mean, it was nice knowing you. He stash. also wasn't that ever that good. Yeah, <laughs> no. porn stash. He never was. Yeah, uh, log jams and depth problems come from uh, Peter Schmuck at Schmuck Stop. Daryl Alvarez isn't ready to switch and pitch. First of all, switch and pitch sounds like a terrible turn of phrase, uh, uh, <laughs> or it just sounds like a professional writer using it uh, quite appropriately. So <laughs> I didn't realize. Do you think that, that Daryl Alvarez likes a, a man in a uh, in a Hawaiian shirt?
1: I, th- I think I uh, think I think Schmuck has a chance. Yeah, I think Schmuck has a chance.
0: Look, uh, Daryl Alvarez clearly at the very bottom
1: of the depth chart here. I wouldn't say at twenty seven he has much of a chance to make a None. major league career here with
0: the Orioles. Zip.
1: Uh, so, do you think it would be better for him to try to become a one inning re- reliever?
0: Oh yes, no question about it. I mean, at best he's going to be a fourth outfielder somewhere, um, and he's going to be making minimum wage. Why wouldn't you say? let me see if I can make something of myself and try to get a pretty hefty contract out there that relief pitchers are starting to get. Well,
1: let me ask you this. Um, are you ready to give up on Dario Alvarez?
0: Yes. Okay, because some people are just straight up in love with him. Sure, and some, some- people are straight up in love with Henry Rudia. That's true. Sam and Allen, I'm looking at you. <laughs> um, but that doesn't mean that he's a good player. I mean, I remember reading an article, um, I guess it was earlier this week, about folks being upset about Christian Walker um, being designated for assignment. But mm-hmm. it comes back to it's not like Christian Walker was a top 100 prospect at best, maybe a top 300 prospect. I mean, this is the kind of people that you get, you know, if we would have got it back, it would have been a, uh, a player to be named later. And again, Brock Bacco would have been asked who's the player to be named later uh, for, five for, for five years, five years <laughs> straight. Uh, I guess still interested to see who that Bradford we got for Bradford, but Brock will not tell us that information. Mm-hmm. We should ask him. <laughs> he would be very upset with us. <laughs> But there's plenty of depth um that the Orioles have in terms of the outfield. That's just not good depth. So like when Adam Jones got hurt last year, it was like, all right, who's playing center field? Uh Nolan is gonna play center field. So it's like, really? Like, we can't do any better than that. I just don't see a need for Daryl Alvarez, especially with a Joey Rickard now in the organization, um, who could easily solve that you know, corner outfield slot at Norfolk. It's kinda nice that we aren't depending on Daryl Alvarez, right? It's kind of nice, but at the same point, it kind of sad because this is the kind of um, prospect depth um, that Dan Duquette will come back and say, well, we've got a lot of prospect depth and players like Darryl Alvarez and stuff like that and be like, yeah, but he's not really that good. So um, I, I think personally, the sooner Darryl Alvarez gets over this whole hurdle of I need to be an outfielder and start working on how come I can I become a pitcher, Uh, the better off they're going to be.
1: Well, speaking of the minor leagues, uh, there was some really good discussion of the finest park in the minor leagues today, the best minor league park in baseball. This is a tweet that comes from Best of O's Radio, who tweet at Best of O's Radio. We are just about to get to the part of the broadcast where Joe Angel makes fun of Tropicana Field incessantly. Yes, I like this. I'm actually interested in this uh, Twitter feed because, as you know, I'm an aficionado of the uh, O's Radio Network. So I'm interested to see what best of O's Radio brings us throughout this season.
0: All right, next tweet goes to Team Steve. This comes from John Mioli, at John Mioli, again, Orioles beat writer for the Baltimore Sun. The hashtag Orioles have have an agreement with pitcher Steve Johnson pending a physical minor league deal.
1: All, All right. right. Yeah, yeah. Sure. But, I'm. I'm down.
0: Yeah. I mean, if he can read the the new uh, weads, I mean, I'm okay with that. That's not an issue. Look, the thing about
1: Steve Johnson is he's never going to be anything more than a, a Norfolk shuttle type of guy who gives you meaningful in, innings at some point and then goes back down. So, as a minor league deal, this the, is good. The problem with with it is is he can't be a Norfolk shuttle guy anymore. He just doesn't have any options. Okay, so he's a guy that we can put in the minors, bring up
0: for a few days, and then release? Yes. That is the correct answer there.
1: Okay. I'm still good with that. I'm still
0: good with that. I mean, there's no question I'm okay with that. It's just, so it's like, okay, that's fine. It just, again, comes back to, you sign that person, you're just like, eh. But again, it just shows the depth of the Orioles and nobody really there. So they just go back and get retreads from somebody else that was previously in their organization. Look, he's a local. Robert Andino (laughs) currently is on our organization charts, folks. Yeah. It just shows you there is not a lot of depth out there in terms of minor league prospects. He's a local guy robert andino jake uh,
1: and and his high water mark was probably twenty twelve. I mean I was calling for him to start that wild card game, yeah uh so it's a good story but this is the kind of career that lefties usually have right i mean it seems to me like steve johnson is just bouncing around the league you know probably making pretty good money you know compared to the rest of us schmucks uh but uh good good on him for for landing back with the o's all
0: right the can last we, can we go back a second yeah you realize that steve Johnson's not lefty right yeah i know i'm saying you oh, would right, think right. he's a he's lefty like, you the way he's, he's bouncing lefty. around the league gotcha gotcha Kind uh, of so he would end up in like Arizona with a porn stash, right? That's yeah, true. that's true.
1: Last tweet we're going to do comes from the Major League Baseball Twitter account at MLB, uh, at Red Sox left-handed pitcher David Price to avoid arm surgery will be sidelined seven to ten days. With an accompanying article, Scotty, this is unfair for so many reasons. But let me just let me just set the stage here. If this was one of our pitchers, his arm would be sawed off by now, right? Absolutely. I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't wish ill will for David Price. Oh, I do. But but for the Red Sox to have possibly lost their ace, that certainly would have
0: made meeting them 19 times a season a lot easier. Uh, it, it comes back to the point that I was going to make with a few people on Twitter is it's not so much the aspect of the Orioles um, hit or don't hit David Price very well. It's the fact that David Price isn't on the Red Sox, wouldn't have been on the Red Sox, and for the entire league— they could have gone against potentially a a weaker team. Yeah. Um so it's just you're absolutely right. It, it's incredibly frustrating just to kind of look at it and be like, hey, this would have happened um to anybody on the Orioles, they would have been gone for a year and a half plus, basically, and wouldn't have been able to make a significant contribution.
1: Would have been the end of their career. But you know what, Scotty? We are just we're whining, we're complaining like old men. And if we're gonna do old men radio and old men O's fandom I really feel like we ought to get somebody to back us up on this. A trifecta, as it were. Derek Arnold is a well-known presence in the Orioles fan community. A regular at Camden Yards, Derek is the managing editor over at Utah Street Report and the voice behind the Utah Street Report Twitter handle. He's a friend of the program, holds a few Birdland Bash RBI records, and ensures that we aren't alone in old man fandom. Derek, thanks so much for joining us at Bird's Eye View.
2: Gentlemen, my pleasure, and thank you as always for the much-too-kind introduction
1: yeah we're we're going to try to tone that down believe <laughs> yeah so let i mean let's yeah. not let's not beat around the bush let's just hit the hard hitting stuff up front what's your drink of the week
2: my drink of the week I am drinking a sidecar orange pale ale by the Sierra Nevada Brewing Company in Chico California, and recently mills River north carolina evidently
0: yep they so, it. yeah
2: it, it, it's it's uh, it's pretty good um not quite enough orange for my taste. Um, I was a little slow to jump on this whole citrus IPA craze. I thought it was a little a little bit silly, but they've definitely grown on me, and I like the ones with a little bit more of the uh, the citrus kick.
0: Now, what kind of citrus note are you picking up? Is this like a blood orange, or is this just like tangerine, or what, what are we seeing here? Yeah,
2: like it, it, it seems a little more like a just a regular like um, soccer soccer game for the kids orange kind of thing.
0: So what I'm hearing is you're drinking Soccer Mom beer.
2: Yeah, man. <laughs> okay.
0: Just want to make sure we were getting that clarification out. Right. <laughs> I, feel like,
1: right. I feel like we're approaching difficult, dangerous territory as always. <laughs> All right.
0: So uh, we're going to uh, pull you up and ask you uh, this important question, Soccer Mom. Um, let's pretend you're Buck Showalt for a second. So first, Buck, let me just say this. Lean back from the microphone. The nose whistle is killing us. And secondly, who makes the team in the outfield?
2: Man, um, as far as Buck whistling, doesn't he remind you of like that whistling beaver on like Lady and the Tramp? I think it's very, um, <laughs> <laughs> I like it. This I think, think you're thinking,
1: about I, I think you're thinking Winnie the Pooh, but I, I love the reference.
2: <laughs> you know yes. what, man? You You'll, might be right, but I'm not sure. And it's definitely Winnie the I Pooh. The outfield, before I answer the outro question, I feel like we skipped over this, um, I'm very glad that Scott has apparently uh, re-upped with Bird's Eye View. Yes. That was sort of up in the air last winter. It it, so, it,
0: it got close. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm actually a little disappointed still that you never reached back out to me after I gave you my uh, initial contract offering. But I understand that... Uh, Wait,
1: he never got back to you? You told me it was in the bag. Uh,
0: I may have lied, just like I do a lot of times on this podcast. He used <laughs> you, Derek. He used you.
2: <laughs> Is Scott Boris your agent by any chance, Scott? Because he hasn't had the best winner. Uh,
0: he he got Matt Weir still two for $21 million, which is more than I was expecting him to get. So, What are you
1: talking about? Scott had a great offseason. He landed with bird's eye view. What could be finer than that?
0: Thanks, Dan. Appreciate that. <laughs> so I think we've got our knowns for the outfield, which are Jones, Kim, and Smith. Um, and then we've got a few candidates and long shots. So the three candidates I have to kind of fill up the rest of the outfield would be Joey Rickard, Craig Gentry, and then Jake's near and dear to his heart is Corey Dickerson. So out of those three, prime... whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. hey, Chris Dickerson? No, oh yeah, yeah, sorry, Chris Dickerson. My C, bad. Dick. Yeah. <laughs> C Dick, C Dick, C Dick, yeah. But uh, I mean, out of those three, I mean, who are you picking out of those three for your prime candidates?
2: Um, yeah, man, I I think that um, Buck's crush on Joey Rickard is well known at this point. Um, I think he'll he'll definitely stick with Joey coming out of coming out of Sarasota, and um, after that, I think uh, Dan Duquette will get his way with one of the Rule Five picks. Um, flip a coin at this point. Um, if I were to venture a guess, I'd say it would probably be. Salamander? Is that his name? Santander, (laughs) Santander.
0: but yeah, it's it's fine. (laughs) Can we call
2: him Salamander? I like that. Yeah, Yeah, why not? We'll
0: let the B-morons see if they can put that in their nickname on it this year, and we'll go from there. But we'll we'll see if Salamander can make the team.
2: I think Michael Bourne, um, I think maybe his injury uh, maybe helps them. He can start the year on the DL. um, Gentry and AAA, and as much as I love Chris Dickerson, I I think he'll be sent to pasture. But then, let's not forget... Nolan Reimold? Is he he
1: still hanging around? He's still alive. I I can tell you that much. He's alive
0: (laughs) and not signed with anybody. And he has said that, you know, he's going to really work hard to try to get on a team. But again,
2: I mean, as soon as Michael Boron got hurt, like, I I expected Reimold to, like, jump over the fence at the backfield in Sarasota and be like, hey, guys, hey, I'm still still
0: available (laughs) just to let you know. Yeah, but I mean, (laughs) in, in all reality, I mean, what does Reimold give the team that Craig Gentry doesn't? Do better. Um, I, I get that's that's my big question. And Nolan Reimold uh, offers nothing. Gentry at least. Let's, let's,
2: offer- let's not talk about reality here. Yeah, Scott. sorry, I forgot. It's,
0: I forgot what podcast I was on for a
2: second. It's rhyme time, and that's just the way it is. Yeah,
0: just like Jonathan Scope's yeah. going to be an all-star second baseman and everything like that. But anywho, um, is there any other long shots you think make the the outfield um that we haven't named yet?
2: No, like I said, I think it, it'll be Rickard and one of the Rule 5 guys. I'm curious which one of those two you think will make the team. It looks like they're, they're definitely trying to get both of them nice long looks down there.
1: Yeah, I think that they'll do whatever it takes to keep everybody they can in the organization and just you know fill in the slots as they
0: need. So, I mean, coming back to that point, if you look at it and say, Rickard has an option, he could go to Norfolk, Gentry, you need to keep on the roster— bourne has got an opt-out date, but you figure that he's going to renegotiate his minor league deal. And yeah, say, I can't
1: really put my finger on when he'll be on the club.
0: Yeah, exactly. But I completely agree with you. I think that one of those Rule Five players, and it's a toss-up, will be on the team uh, to start the season, and they're going to try to ride him as long as possible to get him. And then I wouldn't be surprised to see him go on like a sixty-day DL stint um, just to try to keep him yep. in the organization for a longer t- period of time. But
2: it was it was um, Santander. He's coming off so- shoulder surgery, right? So yep. he would be a very, very likely candidate for that
0: 60-day DL. Yep, yeah, but, I mean, you've got to get to a certain amount of games played. I can't remember what exactly it is, but it's, it's like 90 or something, something like that. Like that. So yeah, there, he's yeah got, I
2: think it's 90 days.
0: Yeah, so he's got to get to something uh, before they put him on the 60-day DL, but I think that that's the way the Orals are going to roll with it. Um, we spent way too much time talking about outfield. I want to go to the next topic. But... I
2: apologize.
0: Man. That's all right. I apologize. So I want to talk about the time issue, which is baseball. So the MLB commissioner, Rob Manfred, said that uh, the, bi- the issue baseball has is not with time, but with its, with its pace, hence the pace of play. So Jake has whined about this on this podcast multiple times about the revised intentional walk rules uh, last week. Um, what do you think baseball can do to improve the pace of play, and how serious of a problem is it, do you think, for MLB um, and the upcoming generation?
2: As a fellow baseball old man, I am fully on board with Jake's whining about the intentional walk rule. I think getting rid of that is making a problem where there wasn't one at all. Um, I I, I don't see how that helps things. I think I saw there was like 0.7 intentional walks per game last year. You know, Rob Manfred, I understand what he's trying to do, but I I can't say that I really agree with it. Um, As far as the pace of play, um, I like what I saw today that maybe they'll look into shorter, shorter commercial breaks. I think that would help um, if that means that, They have to put ads on the uniforms like it's European soccer. I think that's something that we could get used to.
0: I mean, are you you really buying the whole thing of less ads? Like, do you think Rob Manfred's going to go to like Fox Sports or anything like that and say, hey, guys, we know you just paid like $20 billion for this uh, for this contract. But um, could you you shorten up the ads just a little bit and maybe go from two minutes and a half down to maybe like a minute and a half? And, you know, how would you guys feel about that? I think they're going to get a, sure, we'll be willing to do that. Your contract now is cut in half. Like, I I just don't see how Major League Baseball gets away from it, nor do I think it's that big of a deal. I mean, you think about how long it takes for a pitcher to get out to the mound and throw some warm-up pitches. We're talking, what, 10 or 12 warm-up pitches between innings? I mean, how short can we make the games between innings? Like, it can't be that short. I think the pace of play thing that we've talked about – um, when they had the batters try to stay in the box in not 2016 but 2015, we saw I wouldn't say a dramatic impact, but we saw it improve under the three hour mark. And last year, you could watch it where people, including Adam Jones, had a tendency to step out of the batter's box, walk around, do everything that he, well, he wanted to. I mean, how hard would it get again, to do be say again? You can't leave the batter's box. We're reemphasizing that and get it back down to that th- under three hour mark.
2: Yeah, man, I I'm right there with you um if this is really an issue and again i'm not completely convinced that it is but if you want to make it an issue and solve a problem i you know i am all for enforcing the rules that are on the books make the guys stay in the box and if they step out twice in a row call a strike and as soon as you do that two or three times you know they'll stop doing it um i think with david ortiz not being on the field anymore orbiting the diamond 45 times a year i think the average game will probably go down by three or four minutes this year anyway.
0: As a resident softball player, is there anything that you could add from a rule standpoint from your softball days that could potentially speed up Major League Baseball? Well,
2: you could definitely start with the count one and one, right? <laughs>
0: <laughs> if you get to like four or five fouls, you're out. Or if you hit a home run, you're out in, in general cases, too. Is that the way we're going to start playing, too?
2: Yeah, just get rid of the home run trap, which I also hate that idea, by the way. You just flip the bat
0: and you just go walk right back to the dugout, right?
2: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Admire it when you're way back into the dugout and then it hits the wall and you have to run out of the dugout to first base.
1: All right. So let let's talk about the O's themselves. Let me ask you this. What must happen? Must. What what is critical to the Orioles making the playoffs again this year?
2: Oh man, I think we are probably um on board here with the you know, the usual suspects. Manny has to be Manny. JJ Hardy has to be healthy for at least 80% of the year. So Chris Tillman needs to start pitching here shortly and keep doing it. Uh, Those kind of things. But um, as a little wild card, I will say that I would like to see Chris Davis be odd year. Chris Davis, Um, even though it's, it seems like the Orioles make the playoffs in the even years and Chris Davis is really good in the odd years. Um, I would like to see those two things maybe coincide this year. Chris Davis, uh, isn't 2013 Chris Davis, but he's more, if he's more like 2015 Chris Davis, um, I think that would definitely go a long way to getting the team back in the postseason.
0: I'm glad you brought up Chris Davis because he's been the one player that has somewhat intrigued me for this spring training. Um, not so much from hitting the long ball, but it certainly looks like he's showing that good plate discipline that we see from good Chris Davis when he's actually on point. And he's also been kind of driving it through multiple points of the field too. So, I wouldn't say that I think that Chris Davis is going to have that breakout year and anything like that, but he certainly looks like, what you pointed out, Chris Davis of odd years. Um, so I definitely think he's an interesting wild card. It's certainly not that Davis had a bad year last year. He just didn't have that one of those superstar years last year um, that basically lived up to the contract that he has.
1: You know, I think it's funny. Right. What- when you talk about living up to the contract, Fangraphs actually just wrote an article yeah. about the 2016 free agent signings and how the players that signed in 2016 played against their contracts and through, you know, war,
0: basically... Look at Jake bringing up war in Fangraphs' wow. I am so proud I mean,
1: of him. Was there a surplus or a deficit as far as how that player performed against their contract? Sure. And Chris Davis was one of the big losers on that list because he, womp, womp. he he performed a negative a deficit of $21.3 million. Now, obviously, he's got seven years to try to bring that back up. Um, but I, I thought that last year, you know, Davis was okay. Yeah, right. And he was hurt. Okay, fine. I, I think this year will be really interesting, Derek, to see how we feel about this contract. We had a lot of emotions right away when it happened. But this year, I think, will go a long way to tell us how we should continue to feel about it.
2: Yeah, um, it's definitely one that we're all keeping like a, you know, our side eye on because we were told so much about how likely it is that it goes the wrong way. Um, so it, it definitely would be nice to have a nice little spike here in his performance to sort of ward that thinking off for at least one more year.
1: So let me let me just put you on the spot. I asked you what needs to happen in order for the Orioles to make the playoffs. Yes or no, right now, you think the Orioles are a playoff caliber team?
2: Yes. I think that, um, unfortunately, I, I do think Boston will sort of run away with the thing, but I, I think the O's will be right there fighting for that wild card spot again.
0: Yeah. It's going to be an interesting scenario, and we've talked about this on, on the podcast tonight. I agree with you but I think we're going to get right around the trade deadline again this year. And the Orioles are going to be right in the middle. And it's going to be the question of what do we do? And the reason I bring up the trade deadline is the team has talked about this. And even the players have talked about this closing window and wanting to make and basically make an impact um, with the remaining time they have as a team together. Um, What can the Orioles do to potentially extend that competitive renaissance that the O's are enjoying right now, besides just re-signing Manny Machado?
2: (laughs) Yeah, I mean that's a tough question. Um, that's that would definitely be priority numero uno. Yeah. But um, w- on top of that, you know, c- can they develop guys like Hunter Harvey and Chance Cisco into you know a reliable starter and everyday catcher? Um, things like that. I do worry, um, as you mentioned, you know, as the trade deadline comes up, and every year we see so many people say, "All right, this is a year that." You know, the Orioles, they might make the playoffs, but they're not going to win the World Series, so they should trade X, Y, Z, and get a nice little return and keep this window open. I really have no idea what the answer is there. Um, it's not fun to think about what's going to happen after 2018 as an Orioles fan. Um, I, yeah. Scott, you tell me.
0: Uh, I think it just comes back to, hey, you know, the Orioles are just going to have to play it out. If they don't sign Manny Machado... I, I don't see any potential way that the Orioles are going to be in good shape regardless if Hunter Harvey uh, develops because you can look at you know, the infield depth and there's nothing there besides yeah. Machado. I mean, you look at who can play third base. I mean, you got Yomar Reyes, but I mean, in reality, he's probably nothing more than you know a, a, a glorified DH. Um, And then you've got no outfield de- depth out there. I mean, the fact that we are talking about Daryl Alvarez still um, potentially being outfield depth is just well it's just sad is the best way to describe it so um, the best thing the Orioles can do is exactly what you said is hope that um, the firing of Rick Peterson as the Orioles pitching development coach um, creates this renaissance within the Orioles and pitchers get back to pitching like they were drafted to do which a few pitchers have already come out and said that we're trying to get back to the basics of what we were doing eventually when we first came up into the, into the league.
1: You know, we all laugh yeah. at, at, you know, hope is not a method. But I, I think for, for Orioles fans, what we need to hope for is the fact that the time between competitive periods is not 14 years this time, right? No, that's the, a great point. The, exactly. the, yeah. the Orioles yeah. have had five really good years. Right, this this is a nice little window sure. of time where it's been fun to be a Baltimore Orioles fan, and dark days are coming.
0: Oh, you, you, you there's it, no question about it. it it'll happen. That's a great point. Is I think it's taken for granted. It's like as soon as the Orioles have their next losing season, people are going to say, "Oh, great, we have 14 years." But every single club, especially a mid-market slash low-market club such as the Baltimore Orioles, is going to go through these ebbs and flows of you know five or six really good years and then five or six really bad years, and it, it's not going to be a constant perennial. Win, 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 unless you're going to be spending 200 plus million dollars every single season. The Orioles just can't do that. In fact, right now they're spending actually outside of what they really should be spending, at you know, 150 to 160 million dollars. And I know people will come back and say massive money, massive money, massive money. But at the same point is you look at their attendance values and look at some of the revenue streams and like nothing screams that they should be able to be continuing this kind of payroll long term. So do I definitely think that they're just stacking the deck right now? Absolutely. And Orioles fans need to just collectively savor this uh, and not so much look about, you know, two years out, but just kind of be like, go to as many games as possible in 2017 and in 2018, because it, it may be some time before you actually see another team as talented as teams that you're watching right now.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It, it um, as Jake said, it's, it's been a whole lot of fun being an O'S fan for the last five years. And maybe it's just the baseball old men in us that has sort of taken the long view here that, you know, once this window does close, that's okay. As long as again, as Jake said, it's not fourteen more years before, you know, that window starts to crack again. Yeah. So, I, I want to be able to see a good team in my forties. Being a little bit smarter about that.
0: Yeah, I want to say a good team in my 40s, not in my 50s. So, yeah, it's 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 one of those things that um, time is catching up really quickly is the best way to describe it.
1: Well, hey, we're, we're getting awfully... Dark here. Let's let's focus on the fact that we do. We're have all going to die, season. everybody.
0: And um, <laughs> ARP is coming up sooner rather than later. And so Security is going to be pretty much depleted in the next fifteen or twenty years. Hey, hey you're you're dangerously close to Baltimoreans territory. Okay,
1: Derek, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull us back into 2017. Uh, so let me ask well, you: way to bring us
0: back into Baltimoreans territory there in 2017.
1: <laughs> what What are you looking forward to in this season upcoming?
2: Oh. Dongs and angst, angst and dongs, right? Nice. That that is the end all be all. Can
1: <laughs> can it can I be looking forward to Dongs after dark? Is that okay?
2: We all know what we're getting into here, you know. Lots of home runs, lots of runners left on base. Um as far as you know, just things to watch, reasons to go to the ballpark, um I think we already talked about it, but we are going to tell our our kids and our grandkids that we watched Manny Machado play baseball. Um that is always something to uh, look forward to. Even if the team's losing 10 to nothing, um, Manny's going to make a play that you're not going to see anyone else make. And that's always fun. Um, I think Dylan Bundy's going to be fun to watch again. I'm definitely looking forward to seeing him take, take the next step um, with, uh, with, or without cutter. Uh, we'll see how that goes. And um, yeah, same thing for Kevin Gossman. Um, so I think we're brightening things up here. There's definitely plenty to look forward to uh, for 2017 O's baseball.
0: Well, let me ask you this question, because you're talking about dongs and angs, but which team do you think is going to be more frustrating to watch? Do you think it's going to be the Orioles of 2017, or do you think it's going to be this Terps 2016-2017 team? <laughs>
2: um, I think it'll be the Orioles. Um,
0: <laughs> That's pretty frustrating. <laughs> the, Terps
2: have, the Terps have been frustrating, um, but... Um, it's one of those things where the freshmen sort of overachieved early and maybe hit a, hit a little bit of a wall, which is frustrating, but we didn't have too high of expectations for that team this year. So I'm just going to steal myself for the O's being even more frustrating than the uh, most recent Turf disappointment. <laughs>
0: Well, Derek, tell us a little bit about what's going on at Utah Street Report lately. Um, as since you're the managing editor there, what's some articles that you guys have been posting lately, and what's some stuff that you guys are going to be having coming out on the website in the upcoming week?
2: Yeah, um, one of our writers, um, Paul Valley, he's been doing a um, ranking of AL East teams by position. So far, he's done catcher, first base, and second base. He'll continue making his way around the diamond. Um, another one of our writers, uh, Kevin George. Um, Took it upon himself to reach out to major former former major leaguers who have contact information on social media, and he actually heard back from a couple of, of them: um, Jack McDowell and Rick Dempsey's nephew Greg Zong, Both answered him regarding uh, how much they think Wellington Castillo missing games in spring training for the WBC will impact uh, his learning of the O's catcher. So that was a very Very interesting article, I think. So head on over to UtahStreetReport.com and check those out if you get a chance and would be so kind.
0: All right. Well, Derek, thank you so much for coming on the show to talk Orioles baseball with us. Um, I guess we'll have to get caught up with you a little bit later on the season to see how things are going um, with the Orioles and um, in life in general.
2: I absolutely look forward to seeing you guys around the ballpark. Um... On the podcast, wherever it may be, always a pleasure.
0: And
1: hey, if you are in the park, make sure you buy Derek Arnold a beer. It's a, it's it, one of the it's one of the rites of passage for the summer.
2: It's required. That is wonderful advice, Birdland. <laughs> Take up
0: on it. All right, Derek, thanks so much for joining us tonight on Bird's Eye View.
2: Thank you, boys.
1: All right, so we talked to Derek about the outfield situation, but one thing that we didn't consider is this. Is there anyone outside of this organization that we should be paying attention to? In other words, what I'm asking you, Scott, is is the 2017 roster complete? So, I'd like to break down the the different areas of the roster and decide if we're good with what we got or if we think there's something coming in from the outside. And if not, you know, if not, how do we like our options and if so, Who best to go after? Okay. So let's start with the the starting rotation. I think that we're pretty well set there. And by pretty well set, not confident about performance, but know what
0: we've got going on. I I agree with you about this. You've got Tillman, Gossman, Bundy, Miley, Jimenez. Tillman being the only asterisk, I would say, right now in the starting rotation of if Tillman does have a more severe injury with that shoulder and doesn't make a full healing process begin within the first few weeks and or months of the season, the Orioles are going to have to go out and do something about it. Yeah, I mean, they
1: dealt from a position of quote-unquote depth when they traded for Giovanni Gallardo. I
0: still don't think that was a bad move. I yeah. mean, I, I still come back to uh, there was nothing that Giovanni Gallardo was giving me that made me think he's a starting pitcher anymore. I mean, I understand that you're looking back on and out saying, man, it'd be really nice to have him with Tillman potentially being injured. But to get Seth Smith, I make that move still at this time. Okay, I'm I'm not challenging it. All I'm saying is that the
1: starting rotation now looks even thinner than it looked then. True. Right. The margin of error is razor thin. If and you trade
0: six starting pitching and you went to five, then yes, better
1: hope everything is. You well. better hope everything is okay. So if he misses significant time, uh, if we look internally, right? If you look at who who's going to get the spot starts, you're going to look at at who's going to to replace him, even for a period of time. Uh, you, you've got the same old story, right? You got Tyler Wilson, you've got Mike Wright. Uh, I guess you've got Logan Verrett, who they brought into the organization again, and you got you and you got you I'm not, I'm not certain as to where any of the four of them fit on on the depth chart, so to speak. In addition, uh, when the team acquired Vidal Nuno, mm-hmm. it was noted that he had both starting and bullpen experience. Sure, and so we shouldn't really be excited by that prospect, but it is. You know, that whole uh, uh,
0: Despagne, uh thing going on in 2017. It's the same model. Sure. And I think it comes back to, we always talk about this, um, even with six starting pitchers, you're going to need eight to nine through an entire season, sure. no matter what happens with a spot start here, a double header here, um, you're going to need to basically pull people up. Um, and a Tyler Wilson, Mike Wright, Logan Verrett, Vidal Nuno, um, you know, a combination, Probably it's not your best do a six two nine um, but the other thing is for the Orioles payroll it probably makes the most amount of sense to kind of go with that through your six two nine so you're not overpaying um in order to keep a six two nine starter out there I mean at most I think the orders could probably pay for a, a sixty nine starter would be similar to what they did last year with Vance Worley. so um yeah there's nobody out there right now that I think that the orders can go out and pay two to three million dollars for and get any significant value whatsoever
1: well i mean let's just look at what's out there and and i don't think there's a ton but when you look at the the market do you think that a guy like let's say a doug fister who the organization has been interested in to some various degrees in the past who's still unemployed who has a ton of question marks about him but hey we've already got question marks at least we know this guy had a ceiling at one point right right would a, a move to bring that guy in on a you know, incentive laden opt out
0: period, minor league deal makes sense for this club. It, here's a concern I had with Doug Fister because I brought him up in the past offseason, season, um, going into the 2016 season, season. I was actually a little upset the Orioles did not go out and sign him. Um, that made me look foolish. Um, but there's nothing of benefit for Doug Fister to really come here. I mean, he'd be coming into Camden Yards again, a, a ballpark where you know he his his talents don't really. Uh, ascribed to and then going against the al east um, as a upper 80s pitcher i just don't see any benefit for doug fister to come to baltimore yeah but it beats unemployment doesn't it true but i i also think that doug fister could easily get a job um bagging groceries no I, it with another team in late march and or early april like somebody else is going to get another injury and there's going to be a, a spot that opens up for a player like a doug fister he just Right now, there's nothing that would say to me, yes, Doug Fister should come into Baltimore, and it's a good opportunity for him and/or the Orioles. I mean, right now, where are you putting Doug Fister? I mean, you could put him in that spot that you've got right now for Vidal and Nuno, but why bring in another person where you're going to have to kick somebody else to- off to the curb? I just, it doesn't make sense.
1: I'm, I guess, I guess, I look at a and a guy, and it's not, it's not Doug Fister specifically, but yeah. it's a guy like that to the point where you can stash them in the minors until you realize what you already have isn't going to work. Because I feel like that's an annual rite of passage for the Orioles. Mm. Like, oh, crap, what we put our faith in isn't going to cut it. What else do we have to throw at the problem? And for me, I'm dissatisfied with what we have to throw at the problem. And so we might as well get enough stuff to throw at the wall to hope that something works out, even for a little
0: while. Now, I hear what you're saying about that, because we've seen that before when they've gone through, like, Freddie Garcia, for example. Right. Um Yar Juergens. And I would come back and say, you're right. The Orioles have tried to do some of these reclamation projects. But in the end, when you look back at the value they brought, did they bring anything of significant value? From from a pitching standpoint, I'm not saying that there was no value from minor league depth signings for position players. But pitching is really tough to find those hidden gems. Miguel Gonzalez would be the only person I can think of off the top of my head, which was a minor league signing that the Orioles were able to stash and basically develop um, into something.
1: All right, so what I'm hearing you say is that the Orioles are going to dance with the girls that brung them as far as the rotation is concerned. Yes, they're going to dance with those fat girls and then we're going to live with it. All right, so let's move on to the relievers. Um, I don't feel like there's a whole lot of question marks here with most of it. You got Britton O'Day, Brock, Givens, Hart, and I think that those five guys are locks, right? Yeah. It's their jobs to lose. That leaves us two positions. One, I think, will be filled by Nuno. If I'm not mistaken, Nuno has options. He's got one option remaining. But I think that he'll probably make the club. Yeah. And I think that, and again, this is opinion time, and it's important that you check me here, the last spot has to be filled by a long man, right? A guy that can be designated to pick up when our unreliable starting pitching fails, particularly early. And I think that those guys that we talked about for the spot starts are who we're talking about. Wilson, uh, Wright, Verrett, somebody in that vein. Is there anybody else in the bullpen that I'm not giving enough credence to?
0: Absolutely. If getting the biggest name possible.
1: Lay it on me. Logan and Andruzik. Oh, jeez. <laughs>
0: But I would uh, come back to... Somebody
1: roll his ankle in a pothole.
0: I would come back to the point that you made, which was um, Wright, Wilson, and Verrett all have minor league options. And so does Logan Andrusic. actually. So surprised me, too. But Logan Andrusic does have an option. So again, I think... Uh, can we just label this last spot as Norfolk Shuttle? I like it. Can we just have one jersey that is a basically the number zero, and on the back it just says Norfolk Shuttle? I like it. All right. So let's move on to the position I cannot players. wait to hear Ryan Wagner call. Now coming out to pitch... Norfolk Shuttle. A big zero. <laughs> um,
1: so 13 position players to work with. Let's call it 12 because one of them is the DH, Mark Trumbo. Um, so we've got some some infielders and some outfielders, and I feel like the infielders are a no-brainer, sure. right? So you got your two catchers, Castillo and Joseph. Uh, around the horn, you've got Davis, Scope, Hardy, Machado, and your utility player, which is going to be Ryan Flaherty. Makes sense. Right, so that's seven infielders, leaving us with five spots for the outfield. Okay. The three guys that we know are going to make the team are going to be Adam Jones, Hyunsu Kim, and Seth Smith. Sure. That leaves us two spots. And as we talked, I mean, we have lots of options there. Rickard, uh, Craig Gentry, and then your
0: two Rule 5 kids. Sure. Do you think one of the two Rule 5s stick? Yes, I do. I think the Orioles will try to push it and see if they can get one of them to stick. Option Joey Rickard to Norfolk to start the season, get him some more seasoning, get him on a hot streak. Um, and, uh, I think if I pick between Santander and Tavares, honestly, it's a coin flip at this point. Um, I think, I think Santander will probably be the one they keep though. I th- I think you're right about
1: uh, optioning Rickard only because that reeks of that uh, Duquette managed the 40 man roster. Oh yeah, thing, right. I mean, if if it turns out through spring training that Gentry is a guy that they like, you know, good on base per- uh, skills, good speed, plays the- plays defensively well in three positions, and they want to keep him in the organization, they can keep him in the organization while keeping Rickard at AAA. Now that he's done his uh, Rule Five time, uh, I-, I think that's that's a no brainer. So I-, I think it's really. How many of these guys can we keep? Period in the basket.
0: Sure, coming north. You know, at at the end of of uh, March. And again, I just think that from a from a Jerry Record standpoint, I don't think there's anything that prevents them from just saying, okay, we want to get him on a hot streak before he gets up here. I'm not sure if that's, there's going to be enough of, um, you know, that opportunity to get him on that hot streak. Craig eventually falls into that platoon role of being the right-handed hitter for. Um, Seth Smith, I think Hunsu Kim is going to go left-handed and right-handed, which, thank God, that's going to happen. You think he's going to go both ways? I think he's going to go both ways. Um, but I think a platoon of Seth Smith and Craig Gentry, while not great, um, is definitely a outfield defensive upgrade from last year and should be, we'll call it serviceable. Um, offensively, especially in the eight or nine hole um, in a lineup of the Orioles. I got to be honest. Yeah. I'm not particularly thrilled with my outfield choices
1: here. I feel like we're dangerously close to a 2015 era of, gee, I hope one of these guys doesn't suck bad enough to be in the outfield. Sure. But if we're going to be looking back, there's one name that we haven't considered. Okay. Something a little nostalgic. And I think when we talk about this this particular player, well, let's hit a sound clip first.
2: He just got under it too much. I mean the timing was good. So now he's up there 2 and 1. And Valverde again will check on Jones at third with two outs. Here comes the 2-1 pitch, Dickerson. fly ball, right center. Right back there. Way back there. Ball game. Wave it. Bye-bye. Chris Dickerson has won the darn bargain. Unbelievable. Dickerson
1: at home getting mobbed and the Orioles amazingly in the wind column.
0: kind of tugs at your heartstrings a little bit. It really does.
1: I mean, what, four years later, I I still remember where I was when I heard that call. I love Joe Angel. Um, I don't think that Dickerson really has a ton to add uh, other than possibly hanging on as the fourth outfielder. But mm, it would have all the feels if he made the team. All of the feels.
0: Yeah, I think at best he's a fifth outfielder. Um, But let me throw this by you. I mean, worst case comes to worst, and it comes to, all right, well— the Orioles are really not getting the production they want from that third outfield position, um, and they need a right-hander basically platoon with Seth Smith. How would you feel about putting Trumbo back in right field for a, a, to basically platoon with Seth Smith, and then in the DH role, putting Trey Mancini there?
1: Okay, I mean, I, I could see that. I, I think that I think the club likes Mancini's bat. Yeah, and I think that because of the infield uh, situation, he's a man without a position. So he needs to either learn to play the outfield, or they need to clear the DH spot for him. He doesn't have to come north with the club, and so I don't think he will. Oh, I I, I think he'll totally agree. With you I think this. he'll play in 2017, and I think he'll probably get you know maybe maybe 300 at bats. Sure, but well, I that's don't a lot. I don't think you, you really. Oh yeah. Okay, maybe what 200 at
0: bats. <sighs> I think it's going to be more like one hundred and fifty at best. Okay, a regular gets how many does a regular get? Like seven hundred, like scope and Machado, like, 650. like at seven six fifty to seven hundred last year. Yeah, but six hundred is considered to be pretty typical for a full season. Okay, so
1: you're going, you're going one hundred and fifty. I think he's going to get well. I, I think he's going to get considerable bats. This okay,
0: year. but regardless of which, I don't think he's coming north of the club. No, he I, doesn't have to. I, I don't think he's going to come north of the club. I, don't, I, I agree with you. I don't think he has to. I think it just comes back to the point which you're making is if you're not comfortable with the platoon situation with Gentry out there, um, you've got Joey Rickard, and you potentially also could put Trumbo back out there, even though I don't think that's a great idea. But you do have the ability to fall back on pulling up a Trey Mancini, who could be a DH, and you just say, you know what? Screw defense again. I was good enough last year. We're just going to bang the ball out and see what happens. Um, It's not outside of the realm of possibility. It'd be interesting to see what Adam Jones says (laughs) when that were to happen. Um, But it's not outside the realm of possibility for what I could see Buckstraw-Walter doing and just saying, I like our guys, and go from there.
1: There really aren't that many questions with the roster this year. No. This, This team is largely the same team That we had last year, and I think that some of the guys that brought in, like Seth Smith, are such slam dunks to make the
0: club, you know, that that there really are few questions. I feel like this season, we have a lot of, it's a quiet confidence is the best way. Like, everyone knows their role. Everyone kind of knows what's going to happen. There's no aspect of, like, well, what's going to happen here? Who's playing for this position? We're just kind of waiting at this point and just kind of, and we've talked about this before. Like, spring training starts, everyone's so excited about it. But this spring training to me has been particularly dull because there hasn't been something for me to watch and really understand. Like, I know who each one of these players is. Like, so last year, for example, I kept watching Hunsu Kim because we knew nothing about him. Like, we knew that he was a slap hitter and stuff like that, but we knew nothing about how he would progress in spring training.
1: We didn't know how hard to boo him on opening day.
0: Oh, no, no, no. But this season, I feel like everyone is established to this point and we're just kind of playing out the script waiting for real games to occur playing out the script i think is a really perfect way to say and there's no prospects to watch either too so it's (laughs) just like hey well we can't even watch the future um when these games are being played as well so
1: you know there really is no mystery in the the fact that the orioles are just like you know what here we are kind of crappy starting pitching really prolific offense we're gonna go out we're basically shooting for the wild card or bust and this is who we are for the next year or so let's hope it works out I mean, really, that is, that is who the Baltimore Orioles are. That's the script they've laid out over the last several years, and they've brought a team back that will play directly into that. And all that we have to hope as fans is that it
0: works. Yeah. They are who we thought they were. They really are. All right. Well, with that, why don't we go ahead and uh, close down the show with a little blow in the save.
1: Scotty, my six-year-old son, Henry, is going to be playing clinic this year, which apparently is the next step above T-ball, and uh, they couldn't find anybody else to help coach the team, so I'm going to be involved in the coaching, which already is a bad sign for bad these sign. kids. Already a bad sign. Um, I was a little worried because the, the rec league that we're in has uh, the type of deal where they, they get the major league clubs. Uh, for their teams. You know, because some of them don't. They get like the minor league uh, leagues and all that kind of stuff. Like I think my brother uh, was a river cat for several years. Um, Your brother strikes me as a river cat. He is a, he is a cool river cat. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so uh, Henry last year in his first year was a member of the Rockies. And he was really excited about that. Okay. You know? They wore purple like the Ravens. Okay. Uh, he loved his Rockies hat. And I was not threatened by that. Yeah. I was, not, I was unthreatened. They don't have 30 teams in the league. So I figured that they would omit certain teams, teams like the Yankees. Yeah. And the Red Sox. Sure. But no, they don't. So there are some poor schmucks from the greater Baltimore area wearing Yankees and Red Sox hats in their in their little league. And I wasn't sure how I was going to deal with that if it was me. Right. So so the assignments are coming through and I'm just thinking to myself like, oh, God, please not. Please not. Just just not the AL East. Please, please, please. Uh, so we got our assignment this year. And unfortunately, we could not we could not get the rockies again because i would have been fine with that they're they're unthreatening uh and we didn't luckily get the yankees or the red sox right so we got a team and i need to know how to feel about it okay um my son will be playing for the royals Ooh, and so my question to you is this yeah are we far enough away from 2014 that I don't need to throw up in my mouth every time I see him put a Kansas City Royals cap on.
0: I'm far enough away at this point where everything is okay.
1: I'm just not sure I can get there.
0: Well, you're a very spiteful person.
1: I am a very spiteful person. I tell you what, the first time that we're driving to Little League and a summer song by Chad and Jeremy comes on, yeah. it's gonna be over. I'm gonna throw that hat right out the window. Can I do something for you? Please do. All right. So you're coaching this team, right? I'm I'm helping coaching the team. I'm not I'm not the head coach. I'm the uh, I'm the Brian Ebel to the Richie Cells of the coaching world.
0: All right, so what I think I'm going to do is opening day probably going to be like what last week of April or something like that. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. So I think I'll come to this clinic. Um, I think I'll make a sign that says "These Royals ain't royal," and uh, we'll go from there. Okay. All right. I I see I see where you're going with this. <laughs> I see. I see. So you would sh- you like me to boo your team just as a as a sacrifice, I kind of would. <laughs> I kind of would.
1: Dad, why is Scott booing us? It's his way. It's his way. So
0: I, I can, I can. All right, uh, I, I got one other workaround for you. So, all right. how much was registration? Because how much would it cost you just to say, you know what, that forty dollars I spent on the season, we're going to go find another rec league. <laughs> <laughs>
1: No, because you know wherever I go, I get something worse. Oh, there's no question With about my it. luck. So, so
0: you, you'd, you'd sign up for the next league and be like, you got the Blue Jays this year, son. <laughs> <laughs> Would not happen. So you're telling me I don't have to feel bad about this. I, I don't think so. I think that there are other teams such as the Yankees, the Red Sox, and the Blue Jays that are much higher on the – grind-your-teeth scale than the Royals at this time.
1: All right, Birdland, I need you to weigh in on this. Uh, Am I okay? Should I be okay with the Royals? Uh, Tweet us at BirdseyeViewBAO with hashtag RoyalsYes or hashtag RoyalsNo. What kind of hissy fit would you throw, or am I, as per usual, just being a drama queen? And that's our show. Remember, you can find this and our entire catalog of indispensable episodes, at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com.
0: And uh, Bird's Eye View is a proud member of the Baltimore Sports Report Network. You can find this show on Network.com and also on baseballtalkradio.com, the home of great baseball talk from all other baseball clubs.
1: Bird's Eye View is available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play Music. We'd appreciate a rating and a review. It really helps establish what we call a social proof about the show and encourages
0: new listeners to check us out. Check us out on some social media. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Google+, and Snapchat. But the best way to get a hold of us is on Twitter, where you should tweet us at birdsideview, B-A-L. And with that, Baltimore and beyond, I bid you all a fond adieu-adieu. Good night, Baltimore. Be safe out there. And let's go O's. Poop beer. Saturday feels weird. does. Poop beer. Poop beer.